109 from 17 to 24. Deal generously with your servant so that I might live, then I will keep your word. Open my eyes so that I may see wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. I am continually overcome by longing for your judgments. You rebuke the proud, the cursed, who wander from your commands. Take insult and contempt away from me, for I have kept your decrees. No princes sit together, speak against me. Your servant will think about your statutes. Your decrees are my delight and my counselors. Amen. Let's pray before we read uh, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 11, 1 to 23. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us wisdom and understanding. As we listen to your word, may we know you better, love you more, and learn to please you in all we do, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 1, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Tell the Israelites, you may eat all these kinds of land animals. You may eat any animal with divided hoofs, and that they chew the cut. But among the ones that choose the cut or have hoofs, you are not to eat this. The camel, though it chews the cut, does not have hoofs. It is unclean for you. The hyrax, through the, though they choose the cut, does not have hoofs. It is unclean for you. The hare, though it chews the cut, does not have hoofs. It is unclean for you. The pig, though it has divided hoofs, does not chew the cut. It is unclean for you. Do not eat any of the meats or touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. This is what you may eat from all that is in the water. You may eat everything in the water that has fins and scales, whether in the seas or streams. But these are to be detestable to you. Everything that does not have fins and scales in the seas or streams. Among all the swarming things and other living creatures in the water, they are to remain detestable to you. You must not eat any of their meat, and you must detest their carcasses. Everything in the water that does not have fins and scales will be detestable to you. You are to detest these birds. They must not be eaten because they are detestable. The eager, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, the various kind of falcon, every kind of raven, 
the ostrich, the short-eared owl, the gar, the various kind of hawk, the little owl, and the comoran, the long-eared owls, the white owls, the desert owls, and osprey. They stalk the various kind of heron, the hoopoe, and the bat. All winged insects that walk on all fours are to be detestable to you. But you may eat these kinds of all the winged insects that walk on all fours, those that have joined the legs above their feet or hopping on the ground. You may eat this, the various kind of locusts, the various kind of katydid, the various kind of cricket, and the various kind of grasshopper, or other wind insects that have four feet are to be detestable to you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hello, good morning. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we're so thankful for your word. Uh, we thank you that uh, even Leviticus uh, is your good word to us, uh, able to keep, make us wise for salvation through faith in your son. Father, do do your great work through your word uh, to us this morning. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I remember years ago uh, hearing about some exotic foods that people ate overseas. And they seem so strange to me as an Aussie because it's not what I'd grown up on, like guinea pigs, bird's nest soup, haggis, stuffed camel, even dogs and horses. And I was amazed because it's not what I'd eaten. But did you know Australia is probably the only place in the world where we eat the animals on our coat of arms? I learned that Crocodile meat is very common in Darwin. It's cheap and it's accessible. And I'm sure people around the world think that we're strange by the food that we eat. And when I went traveling, I wanted to try the crazy, the exotic culinary desires to eat what the locals ate. And while some were okay, others were, were nice or totally disgusting. But as the saying goes, well, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. What we're happy to eat or, or what we think is quite weird will really depend on uh, where we're from and also how old we might be. Because these things will make us see this food and think, wow, whoa, that's weird, or wow, that's, that's what I eat. But for the Israelites, even as they would have travelled the world and heard these things, they wouldn't have tried these things because the majority of them were unclean, as we've just heard in the Bible reading. Uh, we heard the animals they could and couldn't eat, whether they were clean or unclean. And we'll be looking at other, other things that were clean and unclean, childbirth, skin disease and bodily discharges. But as we read through these laws, as some of us might have done this week, we might be wondering why. Why is there this distinction where some things are clean and where other things would seem perfectly fine to us, but they're unclean? Why is that? Well, to help us kind of work through those kinds of things and to help our framing of, of our reading, I'm going to point out a, a number of things that will kind of help us in that regard. And, and the first one there is that, that God is holy. We've, we've already seen this as we've worked through the book. 
God's holiness means that he can't be present among a sinful, defiled people. But he graciously provides a sacrificial system where offerings can be made to deal with sin so that they can be in his presence. And he graciously provides a priesthood who can mediate between them, uh, between the people and God. And the laws, they reflect God and his character, his holiness. And you see, God wants his people, the Israelites, to be holy, just like he is holy. Just beyond our Bible reading from this morning, we read this uh, from uh, chapter 11, verse 43. Do not defile yourselves by any of these creatures. Do not make yourselves unclean by means of them or be made unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. You see, God rescued them out of slavery in Egypt to be his own people. And he wants them to be like he is, holy. So be holy because I am holy, says the Lord. And by see, keeping these laws and obeying the Lord in this way, they demonstrated that they were distinct, different. They were God's holy people. They also showed that holiness was an all-of-life affair, not just something you did when you just went to the tent of meeting or on special holy days, but actually it affected their every action, every day, reminding them that they are a holy people because of God's holiness. So as we read through these laws, we can get a little bit lost with some of the terms. Common, holy, clean, unclear. We can kind of be confused by, by what they kind of mean. And I found this graphic to be really, really helpful. You see, holy and common, they are opposite to each other. Common isn't holy. See, holy things are those things that pertain to God, the, the tabernacle and the stuff in it and the priests when they're made holy, consecrated. But see, only a, a few limited number of common things could become holy. Where common was everything else. Anything that wasn't holy, well, that was common. See, similarly, clean and unclean are opposites. Where most unclean things could become clean again, uh, but you see, uncleanness, it was contagious. And so if an unclean person came to sit on a bed, uh, that bed became unclean. And if another person who was clean came and sat on that same bed, well, they would become unclean. See, it was contagious, but it was actually a normal part of life. And so certain steps needed to be followed to become clean, as we'll see shortly. You see, the Israelites needed to know whether they were clean or unclean because what is holy cannot come in contact with what is unclean. So if you were unclean, you wouldn't go to the tent of meeting, for instance. You see, one of the vital roles of the priest uh, was in this process. You see, they were too, from, from last week, chapter 10, verse 10, distinguished between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean, so that they can teach this to the Israelites, to, to the decree the Lord has given them through Moses. You see, this was the priest's role. You see... As they read these, as we read through these laws, uh, you'll see that the priests have a really big part in determining whether someone was clean or unclean. 
But here's the thing we really must remember and must understand. Being unclean wasn't sinful. It was not a moral issue. It was a state of being. I am clean. I am unclean. You see, people would often become unclean when a, when a woman went through her, her monthly period cycle or, or a married couple had sex. These things aren't sinful, but they, people need to know that they were unclean uh, and take the appropriate steps to make sure the, the holy wasn't defiled and, and that they would become clean. You see, it's the same with like leprosy, a skin disease. Uh, they were unclean. See, it wasn't their fault. It wasn't sinfulness. Uh, they were just unclean and just needed to be aware of what they could and couldn't do in light of that uncleanness. And I wonder if we can relate to this in the, in the COVID days we live. You see, if we have a cold uh, and we, we're displaying some of the COVID symptoms, well, we, we need to go get tested, don't we? And while we're waiting for the results, we're actually isolated. We are removed from everyone else along with the, with the people that we live with. You see, we, we can't go out, uh, we can't leave the house, we can't go shopping, we can't do our one hour's exercise. Uh, it's kind of like we're unclean, we're separate. Until the results come back, we're giving the all clear and then we, and then we become like clean and, and we can continue life as normally as we can in stage four lockdown. You see, being unclean wasn't a sin. It, it was part of life. One just needed to, to restrict where they went and do what they could to become uh, clean again, which kind of brings us to our next point. Being unclean required cleansing. Now, there were particular things that needed to take place for someone to be cleansed, and while and depending which one or how many, well, it depended on how severe the, the uncleanness was. But there were things like offerings, anointing with oil and blood, uh, shaving, bathing, uh, laundering your clothes, uh, a certain amount of time in the past or, or just a change of clothes. And while it wasn't wrong to become unclean, the appropriate measures, the appropriate steps needed to be followed to become clean. But see, the question remains, doesn't it? Why were some things clean and others not? You see, what I've discovered uh, is that there's no one hard and fast rule that explains everything. There's not one explanation. This is why this is all works. You see, there are some brilliant theories out there and, and they work for some elements, some aspects of things, but they really fall apart in other areas. You see, the clearest example of this, which I'm, you may have even heard of uh, before, comes down to the food laws. People would say that the food laws are based on hygiene. So pork, for instance, was unclean because of the diseases, uh, because of the diseases associated with the pigs when they weren't cooked. And so it's thought, ah, that is why uh, they're unclean. But you see, that theory falls apart when we actually think about the diseases that, that clean animals, like cows, for instance, that they could have when not cooked, like salmonella. And also, if it was a hygiene thing, you wouldn't expect all foods to be declared clean in the New Testament. You see, I reckon God just makes a distinction within himself, possibly arbitrary. And where there's, but they're there to show God's people that they will obey and trust the Lord. And they will live as God's holy people in the ways that he has set out for them to live. You know, we do this all the time. You know, I'm decided to wear sandals today rather than slippers. No reason, I just, just did. 
what we can do with the shoes we prefer to wear, black or brown, uh, the chocolates we buy or the car we might buy, we might have a particular reason, but, but usually we've made a distinction and, and just gone for it. And different cultures uh, do this as well. Let's take the beloved pet dog in Australia, for example. You see, dogs are, dogs are pets or sometimes fellow workers in Australia. But for a Muslim, a dog's considered unclean. And so, so they're not meant to own a dog or even enter the house where a dog uh, is present. You see, a dog is avoided. And then we have other parts of the world where, where dogs are seen as meat. You see, each culture has a different distinction, don't they? And how we might feel about those different distinctions will really depend on, on where we come from. But you see, God makes a distinction. Some things are clean and other things were unclean. And they were there for the people to show that they obeyed him and trust him in all areas of life. They showed them to, to demonstrate to the world that they were God's set-apart holy people. And the last thing to mention before we kind of get into the text proper is that these laws, they weren't timeless. We aren't bound by them today. They might seem timeless because they're in print, uh, but they're not. They were given to a specific people at a specific time. God has graciously rescued them out of slavery and, and has brought them and was bringing them into their own land. You see, God wanted them to be distinct, distinct from the nations around them, to be holy. And these laws show them to be distinct and, and different from the nations uh, around them. And so we must remember this as we read through these laws. Because it would be wrong to apply them directly to us today without actually looking at what Jesus said first. Because have a look what Jesus says in, in Mark chapter 7. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into the heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. You see, these laws aren't timeless, but to a specific people at a specific time. We've seen that the Lord makes a distinction. Some things are clean and others are unclean. And as God's saved, rescued, chosen people, they were to make a distinction in the way that they lived. They were to live holy lives in obedience uh, to these laws. And in Leviticus 12, we see these laws pertaining to eating animals. Now have a look there at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Say to the Israelites, Of all the animals that live on the land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a divided hoof and that chews the cud. There are some that only chew the cud or, or only have a divided hoof, but you must not eat them. That is the, the camel, the rock badger, the, the rabbit and the pig. But if you go down to verse 8, you must not eat these, their meat or touch their carcasses. That is when they're dead. They are unclean to you. You see, and then as we kind of go through the rest of the chapter, every category of animals is listed. What's clean they can eat, what is unclean they must not. Uh, uh, they couldn't eat unclean animals, but they could touch them. They could ride a donkey, for instance. But if they touched a dead animal, whether it was clean or not, well, they became unclean until the evening. You see, it wasn't a matter of hygiene. The law just made the distinction. These are clean and these are unclean. 
You see, these laws were reminded to be holy like their God was holy and that they should have led the people to be thankful for the way he'd called them and allowed them to be holy like he was, pleased to obey him in this way. You see, Jesus shows us in Mark's gospel, uh, these aren't timeless. Jesus declared all food clean. It's not what comes into a person that defiles them, but actually what comes out. Uh, Jesus says this in Mark 7, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. You see, we look at the food laws and we think, sweet, I'm on the side of Jesus, I can eat whatever I want. But you see, Jesus turns the microscope, not to what we eat, but to our hearts and how we live. And the reality is we are defiled, broken people, not because of the food, but because that great, because of that list that I've just read, we can't escape from it. Each one of us is guilty of these at some point of our lives, if not daily. You see, we are defiled, unclean, sinful. And in light of this, we will be judged. We are guilty and condemned by God. But here lies the beauty of Christ. He gave his life as an offering, a burnt offering to deal with God's wrath, a sin offering to deal with the stain and defiling left by sin. Jesus saves us. And when we know this, and we come to trust in Jesus, we too become God's holy people. Yes, and we have the law written on our, on our minds and hearts. We don't need the tangible reminders of God's will and, and character like the Israelites did in Leviticus. We actually have the scriptures, all of the Bible, to teach us how to live as, as God's holy people today. Well, next up, we come to chapter 12, and there are some laws regarding childbirth. Have a look there at uh, 12 verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, A woman who becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son will be unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her monthly period. On the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised. Then the woman must wait 33 days to be purified from her bleeding. She must not touch anything sacred or go to the sanctuary until the days of her purification are over. Now, up front, let me remind you here that being unclean isn't sinful. Giving birth isn't a moral, uh, sinful issue. We know this because God commanded Adam and Eve and, and Noah and his family to be fruitful and multiply. Likewise, we see all through the scriptures that, that children were seen as a great blessing, a great gift of God. And so child rearing, having giving birth, this is not sinful. But see, when she gave birth of the woman, she was unclean. And so needed to be separated from the holy, as we see. But see, once the purification rituals were over, a burnt offering and a sin offering, atonement was made and she was clean. You see, we see from the passage that the reason she was unclean was the, the flow of blood. 
But why was it that the flow of blood made her unclean? Well, I'm not sure. Likewise, I'm not sure about why having a daughter doubled her period of, of the unclean period. There's there's lots of theories. I'm, I'm not necessarily convinced by, by any, but because uh, I think there's too many gaps. But I, I just think it's the way... Uh, the way it is and, and it made me really think of the Chinese confinement period which many of us might be uh, familiar with where for at least 30 days a mother can't do anything she can't uh, exert herself she can't shower she can't be in a room with air conditioning and she must eat warming foods and while the Anglo in me has really taken me a while to kind of understand and process how this works, it's really an approach that lots of people will kind of do in, in confinement, to, to be separated, to help recover uh, from their pregnancy. And it's similar. Uh, the Israelites were to be separated from the holy during this time. But you see, God graciously provided a way for them to become clean and gather with God's people again. But you see, for us in Christ, who are made holy through him there is no barrier for us there is no uh there is no thing that can prevent us from from gathering together after childbirth well next we move to skin diseases have a look there from uh chapter 13 verse 1 the lord said to moses and aaron when anyone has a swelling or rash or a shiny spot on their skin that may be a defiling skin disease they must be brought to Aaron, the high priest, or one of his sons, who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore on the skin. You see, the priest, they are to determine whether it is a defiling skin disease or not. You see, if it is a defiling skin disease, well, they are unclean. If it's not, they're to come back and re-examine after seven days and declare if it's clean or not. Uh, and, and there's heaps of different diseases we'll kind of see, we'll see in, this, in this section. There's boils, burns, sores, uh, and you'd be glad to know, uh, particularly for those blokes among us who are, who are sitting out on top, verse 40, a man who has lost his hair and he's bald is clean. If you're bald, you're not considered unclean. How good is that? Well, the people with a defiling skin disease, they were separated from others. They were not to defile them. And so they wore clothes that kind of demonstrate that. Have a look there at 1345. They wore torn clothes. They let their hair become unkempt and covered the lower part of their face and cried out, unclean, unclean. And as long as they have the disease, they are to remain, uh, they remain unclean. <clears throat> they must live alone. They must live outside the camp. You see, uncleanness was contagious. And so others needed to be aware. And, and we understand this in the, in, the, in the COVID days we live. We don't want to be too close to someone with COVID. Hospitals won't even allow visitors at the moment to prevent someone from, with COVID coming in. The, the isolation aspect of COVID really helps us grasp this. But you see, what's going on in this passage might seem like good hygiene to keep uh, distant from those who have a defiling skin disease out of the camp. But it's not hygiene, it's actually theological. You see, uncleanness defiled those who were holy. And by remaining outside the camp, they couldn't actually uh, defile the tabernacle or anyone else. 
And while the, someone with a skin disease could become clean, there was a really rigorous assessment and, and cleansing process that needed to take place. And while it wasn't their fault that they were unclean, uh, it wasn't sin, uh, they were separated to prevent them defiling what was holy. Which makes you marvel at Jesus. You know, last week as a family we were reading uh, about Jesus healing a man with uh, leprosy. And the man begged Jesus. He says, he says this, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus touched him. He's unclean. He's totally unclean. Yet Jesus touched him and straight away he is clean. You see, Jesus brings in this new era of life. No longer the lepers outcasts, banished from society, but in Christ, through faith, well, they are welcomed into his kingdom. Well, finally, we've come to uh, bodily discharges, and this includes common, common enough things like a woman having a period, a wet dream, marital sex, uh, but also includes uh, abnormal bodily discharges. But, but each of these things would cause someone to be unclean and contagious for a period of time. Which again brings us to marvel at Jesus, who in Mark 5 approached by a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. And she thinks, if I only touch his clothes, if I reach out and touch, I'll be healed. And so she does, and instantly she is healed. And Jesus, he's aware that he's been touched. And he asks, hey, who, who's touched me? And the woman, well, she's full of shame. She's, she's trembling with fear because she knows she's defiled. She knows she's cut off and isolated from the people and really should be outside, outside, away from the people outside the camp. But the compassion, but the compassion of Jesus here, he not only heals her but sends her off with, with a blessing. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You see, all these clean and unclean laws show the distinction that God made for his holy people. But for the Israelites, uh, in Jesus' time, they'd seem to use them to separate people away from God, to exclude them from, from being part of God's people. You are not welcome. But when Jesus comes, he shows that a new era, era has, has dawned. And it's not based on one's ability to keep these clean laws. Uh, it's actually based on trusting Jesus, who offers eternal cleansing, everlasting cleansing, entry into eternal life, even those with a defiled skin disease or an abnormal bodily discharge, charge, who'd been abandoned and excluded by everyone else. We see they could come to Jesus by faith and be included in the kingdom. Because it's faith and not one's ability to keep these laws. That is the distinction for the entrance into the kingdom of heaven or not. You see, in Leviticus, God made the distinction between the clean and the unclean. But in the arrival of Jesus, these distinctions, well, they became irrelevant. There's no clean this or clean that anymore. The distinction now is made for those who, who reject Jesus and those who trust him with their lives and have received cleansing, 
forgiveness and eternal life. How wonderful is that? Let's give thanks to God now and, and spend some time praying. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks uh, for the book of Leviticus. Uh, we thank you that it really showed the, the holiness of God in the way that your people back then were to be distinct, that they, would be, they were to be distinct in the way that they lived in relation to, to outsiders and, and the nations around them. Father, we're sad to see that the way that these were eventually used to exclude uh, and make people outcasts, uh, but we thank you for Jesus, who came not only to fulfill these laws and to do them perfectly and, and, and rightly as the only one who could, uh, but actually that he came as a perfectly righteous, holy one who had a touch, uh, uh, healed a man of leprosy uh, and healed a woman uh, bleeding for 12 years. Both things that made them very, very unclean, very with a very severe um, uh, uh, uncleanness, but just as a touch, Jesus heals them. Father, we thank you that Jesus shows that for us to enter the kingdom of heaven, it's not about being able to keep these food laws, uh, being able to remain clean, but actually it's about trusting the Lord Jesus. That trusting him is how we can know you, how we can have a relationship with you and how we can be in heaven. And so, Father, for us, we do pray that you would help us uh, long to live each day in knowing you, to, to know each day in trust of you in all that we do. That just like they were to be holy because you are holy, we too are to be holy because you are holy. Father, help us uh, be holy in all our conduct. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.